Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. It's Josh in for Boyd presenting this week. And it very much feels like the night after the night before. The sobering reality of a 3-1 home defeat to Monaco. And I suspect that will dominate the next 40 or so minutes of your Footballistically Arsenal podcast. Joined by three um, members of the Arsenal podcast team have all been on with us before. We've got Ricky, who's back after a, about a couple of months. He was here last time when the draw was just made. And doesn't that feel like a long time ago, Ricky? It's- it certainly does now. It certainly does now, yeah. Um, Alan Alger, semi-regular guest with us, was also on, I think, with Ricky just after the draw was made. But you were a bit more wary of Monaco. We'll come to it in much more detail. But you were a bit more wary than maybe the rest of us, if we're truthful. Yeah, I, I just think I'd looked through some of their recent games just before the draw and, and it hinted at the, well, the upward curve that they've been on recently. Yeah, fourth in the in their division aren't they but it uh, yeah just a, a frightening night really at the Emirates and Raymond who, who runs obviously Red Action Group who a lot of you will, will know and be aware of is also with us and uh, we were just saying before it, it went quite flat quite quickly it did that away goal early in a two-legged tie it's going to kill it man it is going to kill it I mean just before we get into the serious like analysis of it the bookmaker point of view here, which is Alan's background, I think giving us about a seven to one or so chance. We're about seven to one to go through. Well, it's interesting. Our traders at Betway went four to one, which is wow. a 20% chance. And as they said that to me on the phone just after the final whistle was I sort of typed it up, I was thinking to myself, well, they've got this wrong completely. And then obviously it just so happened that we've got a position that we're trying to hedge against Arsenal when we don't mind being um, four to one. But as you say, yeah, there are bookmakers that are as big as seven to one. Yeah, so let, let's go through it because uh, it's, it's rare we do a podcast on a Thursday when there's been a game a night before because there hasn't been Champions League for a while. So I feel we'll do more analysis than maybe we otherwise would when we've had the whole week to, to reflect. But firstly, Ricky, you were, you were back with all the crew in 103. Uh, Michael, who was on the other week, has left you and departed from Hong Kong. You've yes. got a replacement, but uh, he didn't bring you any luck last night. No, row 27 last night was a, was a, was a sad place. I, like you said, Josh, I was on the podcast uh, last time just after the draw. And as I said to you earlier today, I do have to eat a bit of humble pie because I, you know, I don't 
confess to know huge amounts about European football. I try to listen out and look out for, for things here and there. But from what I had heard, that Monaco weren't a particularly good team. Alan corrected me, told me that it was going to be a harder game than, uh, than I thought. And he was right. And he I was, was right. I can say now I was wrong because last night it, it, was, it was worse than I ever could have thought it was going to be. It, it was horrible. But Alan, just coming back to that point, Monaco scored four goals in their six games in the group. They managed to get three in 90 minutes away from home last night. I mean, in terms of, you know, even if we come back to odds again, the chances of them scoring three away at the Emirates was just an extraordinary outcome in any way last night. It was a, it was a huge price. Uh, the, the, the actual correct score was 125 to 1. Wow. And most Champions League games, as a bookmaker, you will price up as having a low goals expectancy. Yes. So then when you use the derivatives after that and try pricing the correct score and all the other things, obviously it makes big scores like that at a huge price. Especially, I think, in first legs. Is that first to say? The first leg Absolutely, around 16, we've yeah. seen a lot of low-scoring games. Even last night, the Leverkusen, Chelsea PSG 1-1, Bayern mm. Munich was a 0-0, wasn't it? It's been a lot of low-scoring ones. Yeah, the average, the average goals in the Champions League knockout tie, um, and that's overall first and second legs, is around 2.52. In actual first legs... In this particular round, it drops to about 2.1. So, Which is a big difference. If well, it's you a look huge at the, yeah. difference in, in terms of odds. And what that actually means is most sides go into it with a plan to be cagey in the first leg. And <laughs> history will tell you that that has happened down the years because the stats are there. So it, it's extremely unusual for a team to, to ship three goals at home, especially when favourites. In fact... It, I can't really remember a time when it's happened before. We were quite heavy favourites as well, you know. Going strong, strong favourites. We're five to four to go and win over there. Yeah, we're actually favourites for the game over there. We were heavily odds-on favourites for last night's game, and every single tipster in the world, apart from a few that were like myself, thinking, "Hold on, have you? Have we underestimated them here." Um, we're saying that it was actually an Arsenal victory to nil. Um, they, weren't, they weren't just actually backing an Arsenal win. They yeah. were saying to nil, as in, you know, bump up the odds a bit. You won't get rich back in Arsenal to win this game. Yeah. You're actually going to be better off finding the value on a, a to nil victory. Well, Raymond, there, there were problems all over the pitch. It's hard to know where to start. If there was one overriding factor that you went, I can pinpoint that was the reason we were so poor last night. Do you have any one thing, or is it just a multitude of answers? Well, I think it was a very, very attacking lineup. You know, look at the selection of, of, of Bellerin and, and, and Gibbs at fullback. They were just really going to go for it, and then the front five, and they didn't really, we weren't tactically set up to deal with the uh, the fast breaks from Monaco, and you know that's where we caught up the pitch. You know, the second goal and the third goal. I don't want to jump ahead of talking about the rest no. of the game, but just just complete footballing suicide is the only way that I can describe it. Which I think is what Wenger said. He did say after the game, he spoke about the sort of suicidal defending, and and it was funny. It always felt to me, Ricky, that um, I was sitting just in block twenty-five behind the goal. We were attacking in that first half. We were great for the first 10-15 minutes, which was so deja vu of the Bayern Munich game last year at the same stage. And I said that to Samuel, I said next to us, this feels so familiar. Like we've been brilliant 15 minutes, but we, you know, last year we had a missed penalty with Ozil. This year it just felt if we didn't score in that first 10-15 minutes, then we might struggle. And we didn't really seem to ever relax, go, do you know what, it might be a night where we have to accept it's going to be nil-nil for an hour, 70 minutes, and try and get one at the end and take a one-nil. We just seem toothless. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't think 
of many games where you look at and you can't pin out, pick out one decent performance. I thought the only player that wasn't really terrible was Kazola. I thought every single player was poor. I can't think of one good performance. I actually, I don't, I look at the starting 11. I can't, I don't, I don't think it was a poor, poor selection. I can't, I can't, I wouldn't, if I picked the team myself, I, I probably wouldn't have changed too much. Possibly, I don't, I don't, I would possibly Walcott, but other than that, I don't like Chambers at right back. Um, I prefer Gibbs to Monreal. I can't, I can't think where you change it. And I think every single player, I thought the fullbacks were particularly poor, other than, okay, of course, Mertzacker and Giroud. But I thought every, every single player let themselves down. Yeah, I think the problem is, as, um, as I was speaking to some friends earlier today, if you look back at the football match and you think they probably had the best six or seven players on the pitch. The best six, seven pitch were like on performances on the night. We're all with them. There's no way you can win. You can't have that. You know, none of your players are, are stepping up, and the other team are playing really well. And credit to Monaco, they were excellent. They did their job very well. But it was always going to be very difficult for us to turn around. I think, in particular, I mean, this is, I don't know where to start. Almost, Be- Bellerin frustrated me last night a bit. I just thought maybe it's a sign that you know we've been all really excited about Bellerin the last few weeks, and he's come on leaps and bounds. Alan's going to say maybe he hasn't. But maybe we found out what happens when you end up having to play who at the start of your season was your third choice right back. It just felt like he, they almost targeted him. Yeah. Is that well, fair, Al? They did. But then again, let's have a look at this. Okay. Ricky's made the point that he can't think of anywhere where he would have changed it. But I'm assuming he means from Personnel. the current squad that we've actually got. Oh, of course, yeah. I, mean, okay. I would have thrown so it messy otherwise. Then, <laughs> well, <laughs> and being realistic, of course, but then you look back and then you look at someone like Bellerin, who I've watched in plenty of youth games down the years and I've always taken him away from the game as my one, as in I'll send a tweet after the game and it, will, it was quite often uh, Bellerin that would stand out for me. But he's the best of a very bad bunch down there. And I don't know whether we've got time to cover it, but... You're not going to go on to Carl Jenkinson again, because I know you're not a fan no, of his. No, no. Okay. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you go something. On. If you witnessed that last night, that performance last night was not the worst performance from an Arsenal team this week. It was not the worst performance from an Arsenal team this week. The under-18s lost against Crew at Barnet's Ground, the Hive. And I urge anyone with a membership to log in to the Arsenal player on the website and watch the six-minute highlights from that and then not think that we're in even worse trouble than they think after watching the Monaco game because it was quite unbelievable. And, and you might think I'm exaggerating. I urge everyone to do it and watch it and actually see the six-minute highlights and the defending because I've seen better defending in an under-10s team that I coach. That would suggest that we are naturally bringing loads of players that are going to have to come out of the under-18 team into the first team, which doesn't really happen. Yeah. But, but it it's should. not good. It's it not great that Arsenal Football I mean, Club why? have got... I don't know. I haven't seen I mean, the under-18 what, but, highlights but, but, the other day. But, uh, I think everybody knows that the youth, the youth system is in a bit of trouble there. They've been trying it's, to change it's in it all and, and bring in a whole load of well, it's uh, new people to it, it up, Liam so. Brady's left after you know, two decades. But this is, a team, this is a team that go to Conference South sides in the summer and have shipped an average of four goals per game in the last two pre-seasons against sides in the sixth tier of, of football in this country. Okay. And there's a much wider issue to the attitude and development of players further down that means that even when you get the odd bright spark like Bellerin, he comes through as the best of a bad bunch and then gets widely exposed 
when he needs to step up even yeah. even further. I think I think also we're talking about a, a 19 year old right back. Oh, absolutely, it's not his who, fault. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, I mean, I know I brought him up in the first place, but there are players on the pitch that have to hold their hands up a lot higher. I think Josh yeah, and they need to look just after going around around the as well. Whole, the whole pitch. Yes, it? I mean we, we, we've just I've simply yeah. started a right back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I'm just thinking, where do I start? You wait till we get to the yeah. forwards. Well, if we, if we move just along from him, yeah. our, our German, you know, leader at the back, Hermetzak. I mean. Frightening is the only is the only way you could describe Raymond that defending on the second goal because he he goes storming up the pitch doesn't win the ball doesn't bring the man down doesn't take a yellow for the team if you're gonna if you if you're not winning the ball you can't let it go behind you there the way that we were going to get broken on there's a screen there's a screen grab I'm sure everybody's seen it and it says 56 minute of the uh, first leg at home and there's one defender and about five attacking players there's Koscielny in the middle he's nowhere he's, they're running down you know they, there's uh, Monaco blue shirts coming from everywhere and there's Koscielny on I his own felt... on his arse on the halfway line yeah. the um, mad thing about Koscielny is he's not facing the play when in that still that you, you're talking about he's not actually facing where the danger is either I, I can't fathom he's sort of almost looking to see if there's going to be a runner on the other side when Maybe he knows full well from looking there that, that Purr has just made one of the worst decisions ever and it's all going to go... But then maybe he's hoping someone else uh, has, has seen what Purr's done and who knows? Get back. Who knows? It did feel like when... when I can't remember the name of the player that, that played it across for Berbatov who scored, but it felt like Koscielny might as well have his hands in the air going, what do I do now? Because if I go to yeah. the man, it's getting past beyond me. If I stay off the man, he can go in and shoot on a spinner. Well, they, they played it perfectly. It was, it was a perfect break. And, and they, wasn't his... Berbatov like, was calm and he, he, he put was it in the He was so net. calm. Like he took, it seemed like he took an extra second. He just... Brilliant, like calmness in front of goal, not to rush it and just to put it beautifully in the corner and get his body in the way that no one could tackle it. Yeah, I think, um, as you say, we're going around the pitch. I think we've actually missed someone out, to be honest. I think we've actually missed out our goalkeeper. Well, uh, yes, I've written that down the bottom. I know, yeah. I, I know, I I know thought, it's on the menu for tonight, but if we're, if we're going... It's all right, we're I, all over think, the place. We're, we're as much all over the place <laughs> on the menu as the players on the pitch. I thought you night. were playing left-back. Yeah, I'm I playing centre-half, where are you playing? <laughs> I think, I, I, I'm not a big fan of Chesney, I think... The, um, I think he's a good goalkeeper. I think the stuff he does um, in terms of smoking in the dressing room, I think it's absolutely pathetic in my opinion, um, especially after the performance he had um, at Southampton. I like Ospina because I enjoy going, oh, Ospina. And that Do you? Is I'm bored well, of it already. Well, I think so are the crowd. Can we just have the Raymond from the reaction point of view just while we're here? Are you, are you, are you backing it? Because it's sort of, you know, it is always quite strong from that corner. Nobody did it last night. Nobody well, did it last yeah, night. It's, it's great. It's great when you're fighting, I was at the fighting other up end. against Aston Villa. Yeah. But was, when um, you're struggling in a, in a home game like that and he's, he's not covering himself in glory with his decision well, making I, and the saves he's not making I thought you he, won't, you, you'll be lucky to hear that chant that, again this season it was only the third goal wasn't it that you could really fault him in my opinion Possibly I don't know what happened goal. the first goal no. I mean you know he just fell backwards and gave it up you just got to stick he's up he's not really him. on his toes on the first you goal you've got to, to stick up a hand or something a bit. I, I, maybe we're being harsh I think that's not that third goal is poor the third goal is the third goal is there's no way he should get beaten across because it's got a hand on it. And he because got actually, on that, yeah. although he made the original mistake, Oxlade Chamberlain is at least chasing the player to make him divert. He's ball divert. He's ball watching. Well, he's diverting the angle a little bit. So he gives Ospina every chance that it's going to be a cross goal shot. And Oh, yeah. The, I mean, the, the, I mean, we, I mean we we're can, picking. We can, yeah, we can move up all, all over the pitch and, and we'll, get, we'll get up to Giroud in a minute. We'll save, uh, save some special words for him. But even the Ox, I felt, you know, you just mentioned it there, that's why I come on to it. Brilliant goal. Obviously, just a, a brilliant strike. And, and actually, at 2-1, you go, you know what, this could have been a hell of a worse. Sort of got. But it was the Ox who gave away the ball a couple of times in that injury time. I think gave away that but, free kick that yep. could have led to the goal. 
And then not only does he give the ball away in the 94th minute, he then doesn't track his runner and then doesn't... I don't know if he'd have got sent off for bringing him down like just after the halfway line. I don't yeah. think so. I've watched it a couple of times. Like, bring him down, bring him down, and he doesn't. But, yeah. but at that stage of the game, you should. You've I mean, got to I bring him down. Bad, but know, even I'm if sure he gets sent off there, I'd rather but, Ox gets sent off in that 94th temp- minute. That, I don't think he could have done. I don't think he physically could have could have fouled him. I only watched it once back because, uh, well, for obvious reasons. I don't, for obvious reasons, oh, I, I, watched I don't the, think he could. I went. I was. I don't think guy. he could have caught him because he, he was he was proper he fast. Was nifty, yeah. yeah, I that, don't think he could, could have caught him. That ten minutes last night for me summed up Oxlade Chamberlain's career at Arsenal, and he he scores those goals about once every twenty to twenty five games that are absolute wonder goals like that. And I've seen the videos from training where he can you know bang it in the top corner and you know, look like he's one of the best players in the world. But unfortunately, he's not. And his shots-to-goals ratio is poor. But every now and again, he does something like that. And everyone goes, oh, he's a wonderful player, wonderful player. Forget all the things that Josh has just mentioned. And then suddenly have him as a contender to be one of the best players in our team. He's not. He's not good enough. Just, I'm not all down on, on, on Ox. No, I, just I, think, I, 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 think was a, I think it was an unusual five minutes. Maybe just the excitement of the fact he's been out injured. He's come back on. He's got the, you know, us back in the tie because at 2-0, I don't think anyone's given him much of a chance either. And he's just, he's, I don't know, what, what, his mind's gone in the last few minutes. He's just done some really basic fundamental errors that you wouldn't expect from a player. He gave the ball away quite good. a lot. He played an absolutely brilliant pass to Walcott for the chance yeah. where Welbeck ended up uh, hitting Walcott. But no, he, he made one brilliant pass. He scored a fantastic goal. Other than that, he was yeah. actually very poor. Just like the rest but of that, the team, that, that he got exactly carried away. Career. He got carried when away once. When it went scored. to 2-1, yeah. you know, we should have just held on to that and, and, and kept the ball for a couple of minutes. Everyone was going crazy trying to get to 2-2 when there was hardly any time left. We, we had just increased our percentage chances of going through up to about 25% with that, that goal back and then we pissed it all away. Well, Raymond, you make a good game. point because what, what he actually did, instead of celebrating, he was shouting at someone to get the ball out of the net and run back. And I Which was you thinking, understand? No, no I, I do thinking, understand calm that. down, calm down because... You can't go mad when you've, all you've done is eat, like, score one back in a tie. You've, no, you're effectively think... going out at that point so every minute. You've got to get on with it. You have not. You haven't got to get on with it because our getting on with it made it three one instead of two one at this present moment in time. There's a difference between going for an equaliser as if it's a league game and doing what we did. last They night. acted as if there was no second leg, yeah. basically yeah. for the yeah. for the no, final. But I also you know. I think as my as my friend who I was walking back to the car with after the game, he said if an Arsenal player would have passed the ball sideways or backwards after that goal, everyone would have gone mad. Because everyone was right, let's get the second Yeah, but goal. that's the fans, you know. Yeah, no, I know, I know. Players, I know. players are not supposed to think like fans. And go, just no, going back right. to the, the Bayern Munich analogy you made earlier, Josh, Josh um, when we were 1-0 down last year with 10 men and the time was ticking away and we got a little bit carried away and started trying to push for an equaliser when 1-0 defeat with 10 men would have been pretty good. It was a similar thing last night. Exactly. We got carried away, thought we can level this up when in reality we should have just held what we got and we would have been in a much better position. For but the, the instruction league. to do that comes from the bench. Well, actually, I actually think a right. bit of the players have got to take some responsibility yeah. no, here. No, I, think, I think you could see how Wenger no. reacted after the game. He said we lost our heads. And I don't think... I, don't, I blame the players. Ricky, you said... No, no, every I, I good think, manager worth his salt, and you've seen it down the years, Mourinho would have been out there screaming at them to get back or to hold shape or to do something <laughs> like that. I something about this the guy we were still losing. This guy's just sitting there. He's doing it's, nothing. Well, that's what I'm saying about, about direction from the bench. I don't think there was much. I think, I think he was right sitting right. there with his arms folded. Sorry, go I think on, go on, makes a very good point. I, I, I know it was, I sort of made it, but... Um, the, it, does, it does come from the... Sorry, Raymond's point, I argued against it, uh, potentially, yes. but... Um, Raymond's right. The players, the players shouldn't be led by the fans. The players are the ones who play for their international uh, teams. They're playing at the highest level of football. And you're right, they shouldn't be led by what the fans think. The same way that 
for years, the fans used to scream shoot and the sensible player didn't because they were 40 yards out, but still fans used to scream at them to shoot. And they shouldn't be led. They should have realised to keep what they've got. The one thing that drives me mad is when, when people say, oh, Wenger has to tell them what to do and has to shout from the how, bench. How can that drive up. you mad? Because I can't, I can't stand it when people say, we've Wenger, got, get, get up and earn your money. That line is, is, is I'm not saying that. One second. That's extending the point. No, I know, I know. But unless... He's saying me, something sensible. Of course. If England would have to get up pointless. and say, right, Mertesacker, make sure we all keep it calm. That, right. That's understandable. Surely, but We were losing in the tie. And like, I don't know, does Wenger, I, I don't want him to tell them all no, to just say what we get. I think you just carry on. You just sense of responsibility. You've got a massively experienced German international, Lauren Koscielny next to him. They can keep the defence tight. They don't have to go gung-ho. But I don't really want us going, take what we can get a 2-1 with four minutes to go in the stadium. Finally, after 90 minutes of being flat as a pancake, can finally get, let's get, I don't want the manager coming out to say, take what you can get a 2-1 with five minutes left in the game. I think, you know, if you were to say that, is there more chance chance we could get an equaliser in that last five minutes or we're going to concede a third? Not assuming we're going to go mad and leave ourselves as open as we could. I felt there's a small chance here we can go and get an equaliser. But you've just said it yourself. So don't go mad and leave yourself completely open. But continue to attack and press because we're on top at the moment. There's a happy medium. I mean, there's definitely a happy medium. And anyone sitting there who's had the line he always trots out, 30 years in management and blah, 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 can see it that he has to give that instruction if it's not happening on the pitch. And it wasn't. But is he a fool for the second goal then? Does he need to tell Metzak that's not the greatest for the whole piece? The instruction should have been whole piece. The instruction should have been after that. Too much after we got one back. After we got one back, the instruction should have been keep the ball for five minutes, but also keep your shape and don't get well, we carried we away. Even, we had what two minutes? I, 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 I four. Because I haven't seen it back. Four. Be a four minutes. And you say about the fans? I mean, the stadium was empty. Well, yeah, it was, it was half it was, empty yeah. by the time. I saw generally. I mean, I wanted to come on to with Raymond. I mean, it seemed so flat. The whole atmosphere, even I just felt when the, te- the you know, you could try and get behind the team, get them back in the game at, at one nil down or, you know, I just felt, I couldn't believe how flat it was. I mean, I, I you know, maybe I didn't help. I just sort of was also shocked and, and just amazed at what was going on. But I couldn't believe how quiet the stadium felt well, at points last night. That's what, that's what I was worried about with the draw. Everyone kind of took Monaco for granted and it didn't really have that big European feel. Um, as if we were playing Munich or, or Real or Barca, yeah, and people I agree. kind of took it for a bit, bit for granted. But this is but the then point just tell I made us- to you on the account the other day. Actually, I mean, I, I replied to something that you were talking to with, you were talking to. With, I think it was with Tim Payton. There are too many games at the Emirates now, where we turn up and expect to win, so that the atmosphere is only big in the, in the, in the games where, you know, we're playing a rival or there's something on it, and there's not enough like, games like that. We and don't lose very much at home as well. Well, well we don't, but then, prior, home season, but, then, but then prior to that, I mean, yeah, but that, that's not on the fans, is it? I'm talking about the atmosphere. I mean, the atmosphere could be terrible and we could beat, we could beat a team 1-0. It's still three points. It's, it's a very different thing. But, how, I mean, there were so many spare tickets available yesterday as well. This is a wider issue. It is a wider issue about it's how like we the, It's like the youth team. It's like the stadium. It's like... The, the atmosphere, they're all wider issues that feed into last yeah. night quite well. I'm desperate we find a positive before we get to the end of this pod, but I'm not, I'm not quite sure where it's going to come from yet, but I've got about 20 minutes to think about it. Before we get there, uh, Remy, just tell us a bit about the background about Red Action trying to do something for last night, because we all remember famously how brilliant it was, what, what was done ahead of the Bayern Munich game. So what, was, what, what did you try and do straight after the draw, and why didn't anything happen? 
Well, basically, everything that Red Action do now is judged against the, uh, the card display last February. So um, as soon as the draw came out, everyone was going, what are you doing for the home leg? What are you doing for the home leg? Um, and straight away, we got onto the club and we were discussing things like, this is the date, how much time do we need to organise it? This is the home leg. What can we do? What are the options? We came up with some, uh, some options, not quite as ostentatious as the, a full card display for 60,000 people, but kind of a happy medium. Um, the thing about Arsenal is they plan very, very short term. It's always they want to get the next home game out of the way, then the next home game, then the next home game. And then before you know it, the game you want to focus on is, you know, is the second next home game. Um, with UEFA Champions League and all the sponsorship that changes in the ground, there's a huge amount of regulations that they, and, and hoops they have to jump through to, to put on a game. So anything that we wanted to do last night had to go via UEFA to be authorised. And that took a couple of weeks. And then... UEFA authorised their idea and then it went back to Arsenal and they talked to their stadium management and that took another couple of weeks. And basically midweek last week, Arsenal came back to me and said, yeah, OK, you got that, go ahead, but it's now too late to do anything. So it was just really frustrating because from December, 24 hours after the balls were drawn out, we said we want to do something big for this game because people were saying, you know, wait for a bigger game, wait for a bigger game, but you know what, the bigger game might not come. Yeah, um, it, tomorrow yeah. may not come. I think that's, that's, it's really sad. It must be incredibly frustrating for you. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, people want to know what's going on because, you know, we're the guys that put ourselves out there and try and arrange this stuff. Yeah. We, we can't make 60,000 people sing, uh, despite what some people might try and tell you. But uh, all the banners and the flags and the colour stuff, we try to take responsibility for that. But it does need a huge amount of organising. And they've got so many health and safety stuff, so much stadium management stuff and the hoops you have to jump through. And we're willing to do that, but we need the club to meet us halfway. And... Do you feel you're getting enough help from the club on that? I think they were hamstrung a little bit by UEFA, right. but you know, they need to give them the hurry up because then they, know, they understand more about what needs to be done and it drifted and drifted and drifted and then uh, you know, the clock ran out. It sort of sounds like they're not that bothered, the club, if it happens or not. Is that unfair? I got the feeling that they were, uh, had their eye on a bigger game to spend some money on. What percentage, this is you know, going into the finance, what percentage would be paid for by the club if you'd have done the idea for last night? 100%. 100%. Red Action haven't got any okay. money, we don't have a membership, and if you think we're going to ask fans to yeah, contribute to even more. when they paid £65 minimum to go in last night, yeah. it's not reality. So, okay, I'll yeah, it, it, is, it is paid for by the club, but you know, there is a budget there. There's a budget there for fans' activities, and this wasn't another car display that was going to cost £25,000 to put on. We're talking, you know... It's five, just amazing, Because we're so used to seeing the displays like in Germany that, say, someone like Dortmund can do with such seemingly ease and it just looks incredible. And I'm not saying we're going to do that or, you know, it should be organised. But it just seems like there must be a support and an infrastructure helping fans do that. I mean, even Crystal Palace on Saturday, which I don't know if we'll even go back to, but maybe we should briefly. They, they had, I mean, it doesn't seem they necessarily go through all the... Uh, um, infrastructure official and channels. official yeah, channels, but one of their words. Yeah, because, because it, it was a, they put up a brilliant display back in the corner. Their ultras down in in the corner about the the greed in football, and they showed a, a gentleman Which with a, a pig, yeah, a dressed the pig, eating from a, a plate of money, money effectively yeah. um, about Premier League greed. And uh, they've always got stuff going on, but clearly, yeah, I, I suspect they don't go through the same channels that maybe yeah. well, if you, you, I mean, you're if being you, asked to, and you're officially, you know, recognised by the club in a way. Maybe they're not down there. Yeah, yeah I mean, they're, they're self-funded, so it's, it's slightly different, and yes. they obviously haven't, haven't got as many rules and stuff. And it's are you, you handy know, with not, a graffiti can like they are? Maybe it's not as big a stadium, and there isn't, you know, and maybe you know, one of our problems is complaints from fellow Arsenal fans, believe it or not. So about what? about, you know, that flag's in the way, I can't see the players warming up, mate, that kind of stuff. So, God. you know, there's a lot of people to keep happy. And as soon as that, if that complaint gets back to the club, they're going to they're try and resolve it 
no matter if there's 10,000 people who enjoyed what happened, as soon as that complaint comes in, unfortunately that's the one that gets, uh, that wants the one that gets acted on. So presumably it won't be happening um, for another Champions League game, if we're, if we're brutally honest. So what, what's going to happen? Are you, I mean, are we eyeing up a, a tie against Liverpool in the Premier League where we can do something or just next season? United right? replay. I think we're just going to wait and see. You, I mean, if there's, a Man, if there's a Man United replay... There won't be much time to turn it around, but there won't be any UEFA restrictions or anything like that. And we've obviously, we've already got some stuff in place that we might be able to turn okay. on pretty quickly. So we'll wait and see. Okay. Well, let, let's let's move on. Just we'll go back to back to the game briefly because there are a couple of other players I want to talk about. Firstly, our forward Olivier Giroud. Well, Josh, you actually you mentioned Crystal Palace. And I did mention Crystal Palace. You mentioned Crystal Palace, and I'll, I'll try and bring it back to last night as well. I mean, we 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 were together at Crystal Palace. Yeah. And I think the two problems of last night was one um, poor recent performances. Yeah. When you're playing well, you tend to carry on playing well, at least for a, a little bit. And two is complacency. Again, Raymond said about the fans. I think the fans all thought that we, we were going to win last night. You know, um, And again, that mainly is probably due to ignorance because a lot of them probably don't watch French football. Um, and I also think it was um, due to poor performances. I was at Crystal Palace and I didn't think we played particularly well. I think there's an argument to say that as the away team to go and win at um, to Selhurst Park, which isn't an easy place, isn't bad going, but I still think as Arsenal we should be playing better than we did. I think against Leicester we were yeah. absolutely terrible. I was at Spurs, we were awful. I can't. I know we, um, we beat Middlesbrough after Spurs, but that you know, with all due respect, that is Middlesbrough, that is a championship team where we had a very strong team out and they actually rested some players. If you keep playing poorly, eventually it'll catch up with you. It's great to win to win when you're playing badly, but eventually it's going to catch up. It caught up last night in, in, a, in a really, really bad way. Yeah, I agree. On, on Crystal Palace then, I, I, th- I thought we were kind of okay at Crystal okay. Palace. I thought we were six out of ten. Um, kind yeah. of thing and Palace were probably also five and a half, six out of ten. Yeah. Um, and we just edged it and, you know, two nil would have flattered us completely. Had they somehow managed to... Uh, you know what? I've got to be totally honest. I was, obviously, we were sitting right at the other end of a stadium. I had no idea no I hit idea. the post no in the last idea. second. I thought Ospina reclaimed it because it suddenly <laughs> leapt up with the ball. I had no idea they hit the post. I mean, that would have been a frightening you know, end, end to the game and what that would have done for, for confidence. You know, who, who knows? But you're right. I think we, we have been poor for, for a, a number of games and eventually something's going to give and it, and it did in spectacular fashion. But Alan, just about Olivier Giroud last night because it was unusual. We don't usually see the manager bring a player off almost to protect him because it's going that badly. It had memories almost of once, I think it happened with the Bouet, yeah. when it was yeah. just so bad, you don't know what to do. And I watched the highlight. I, I did, Ricky, unlike you, when I got home last I night. They had the Invincible documentary on which I, I watched most of. And then I think Sky Sports 5 had the, had the highlights, about a 25-minute highlight package. And actually, I got home and I was like, it is amazing. If you were pause the chances we had and gone we're only going to score one goal tonight you would never have believed it we actually created a lot of decent opportunities and how Giroud I mean what do you put it down to Giroud's performance last night I just put it down to him not being top class he's a good he's a good striker Um, I think the the substitution I think it was obviously extremely difficult for him probably extremely difficult for Wenger yet this actually relates to the last point talking about the fans in the stadium I mean for all my negativity on here when I go to the stadium I cheer and support our players for for 90 minutes and the booing and ironic jeering when he got subbed off I mean you know what kind of morons have we got in that stadium there now 
It, it was disappointing. I mean, we've just got, we've people, just got so you know, many memories people there. He's, he's had a decent season. He's but been he has, in some good but form. He, so he it's not a, like he was missing those chances every week. He's a fantastic squad player. I would not remove him from the squad. But we can't be relying on him to take the chances he didn't take last night in Champions League games that are so important like that because it proved that he didn't take any of them. There was a little bit of me, Raymond, thinking when we were 2-0 down, I mean, we're basically facing down the barrel of Champions League elimination, that Manchester City at least always know they've got an Aguero on the pitch. There's always a chance when they've got just a world-class striker up front. And then even when Giroud went for, was substituted off, and I thought, hang on a minute, our hopes are mainly, you know, our centre forward at the moment is now Danny Welbeck. And I thought maybe that's the reality of where we are. We've got, we've got some good strikers, maybe very good strikers at the club at the moment, but we don't have an outstanding out-and-out centre forward. I put, you know, Alexis is, is obviously an incredibly world-class footballer, but as an out-and-out striker, target man or anything like that, we don't have one. And we haven't had one for a while. But, you know, we still have Sanchez on the pitch and, and Cazorla and obviously Walcott came on well back. We should be able to get a goal in that situation uh, in the home leg of a Champions League knockout tie. So it was disappointing for everyone, really. I mean, Giroud's going to carry the can, but the guys had a decent season. I thought it was quite reminiscent of the Chesney thing because what people forget is with Chesney, the match before the Southampton one, the West Ham away game, he was excellent. He was almost man of the match. And then he had one appalling performance and straight away people were on his back and he, and he got the hook. But haven't uh, you illustrated the whole point now that... We, we do not maintain any consistency within good performances for our players. So you, you can't ever be sure that anyone's in a good vein of form. You can't ever be sure that anybody's going to actually perform to their best. And that, again, stems from the manager. Could you argue Cazorla has been very consistent? Yeah, decent. When now. Ricky said it, I was nodding along at the start to say that if you're going to eliminate anyone from the criticism from last night, it's Cazorla. Yeah. Just briefly on Sanchez, is it just a case that he's just, he's, you simply cannot play? So it's like you cannot play someone every single game and expect the top level of performance. Everyone's looking for him. Every time someone gets the ball, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's either something they've realised during matches or something they might have been instructed to do, but every time we go across the halfway line, we're looking to pass to him. And it, it, it's difficult for him to be the one <laughs> there, sort of giving the ball, go, come on and make something happen nearly every two minutes when we're crossing the halfway line. I mean, it, there's so much pressure on the guy to perform. Just, just a quick one with, uh, with you, Ricky um, and Raymond. On the tactical side of it last night. Tactics, what? Yes. Well, wait, wait, let's discuss that. The, the, is there an argument that he could have gone last night with kind of two midfield holding players Who? that would have done it? Well, Who? But no Wilshire, no role. Well, Wilshire. could you ask Rizicki to kind of stick in the middle to, don't to do ask something? Adam about Rizicki. Yeah, I think no, 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 I know he's he not a holding midfielder. I think I don't think he could do that role. I mean, you know, could have pushed Wilshire's been on the bench a bit. Could he have given him the first hour of the game, maybe, and brought him was, back he in? He wasn't in the squad last night, was he? I think he'd been rested from training, and was he in the squad? I'm not sure. I think he was back for last night, but I think if your defenders ain't going to stand in the right position, then you know, who's a midfielder? But would you have done? I mean, saying, would you have just played that team? Because it kind of felt like with the Crystal Palace, you've spoken about a, a negative kind of feeling after that game we were a bit lucky less of the same thing but it kind of feels a bit like when I used to play like sensible world of soccer when I was about 10 and you'd win a game and you'd really quickly press the same next next game and you just keep the same tactics because you, you're just sort of winning and it's felt a bit like we've done that in recent you know games what? like you knew our 11 last night before you got to the stadium bar maybe you know Bellerin or Chambers but you probably felt it it kind of felt a bit too predictable there was everything a, we were going to do there was a very good article that that was written 
couple of seasons ago that said Wenger is a championship manager, i.e. The, the, the computer game championship manager or football manager it's now called, in that he just clicks go, go, go again, go again. And doesn't change anything. Yeah, that and was what was. It just spins through, and it just plays itself out. And but then maybe does that kind of put away all the the hope and excitement we had at Manchester City because we did but kind of get that ruined that, at Spurs, didn't we? That Manchester that City game and talking racing terms but uh, quite often if you're, if you're judging horse races you have to look back and see what the quality was of other horse races before you start rating those horses and unfortunately that City form was made to look worse and worse as the weeks went on because Middlesbrough won there Hull got a draw there it was City that were bang out of form it was a good performance from us don't get me wrong it was I really enjoyed it but it will probably be the highlight that, of the season that win has been downgraded after that because of what happened after that at City, not, uh, not with us. And without Yaya Toure and, well, as you saw the other night, they're, they're, they're not a particularly good team and we played well that day. I'm desperate to find a positive before, before we conclude. And is it in that Jack Wilshire's coming back? And I know we've kind of maybe haven't missed Wilshire. Alan's already like head in hands at that comment. But we, we haven't seemingly missed him over the last one. But maybe as we get into this slightly stuttering form... Maybe there's a real chance here for Jack. It's March, he's got a couple of months, we've got 10 weeks to the end of a season, 11 weeks. Is there a chance for Wilshire to come back into that team, go, do you know what, it's my time. It's my time to prove that I can be a, you know, one of the future leader, leaders of this club. Raymond. I don't think he's had that form for a couple of seasons now. and It's one of those things where the longer a player is out injured, the better you, th- you think that they are and they're going to come back and save your season. Uh, that's so, that, I mean, that's I'm so... Not- I'm True not, of Arsenal, isn't it? Um, you know, with all the players we've had, there's long-term injuries all Walcott, the time. Walcott was Pele but just you know, before he came back from It's the injury, same thing, it? and I don't think it's what we need. I mean, we just need to defend us. We need to stand in the right position and, and, well, and not go okay. you know, bombing up the wing every So time on that, are you, pre- are you now like, do you know what, Pear, we love you. Absolutely brilliant. But it's time for Gabriel Paulista maybe to, to come into the team for him. Do you, um, think, do you think that's just what it is? He, need, he needs to make a big, bold statement. Because he can do it now. He's got some big decisions to make. Does he change the goalkeeper back? Does he bring in Gabriel? Does Wilshire arguably go in back in and replace Coquelin? Does he you know, bring maybe Sanchez or Ozil out of it because you know, game after game after game and put in a Riziki or put in a Walker? Some big decisions he's got to make. I think that Mertesaka deserves to be dropped after last night's performance. Nobody's bulletproof. And if you, if you have a really, really bad performance and you get hooked and someone else plays in your position the next game, I think that's the way it should be irrelevant of whether you're the club captain or a fan favourite or whatever and same with Ospina he had a poor poor game last night and it's time to to have another look at Chesney Okay, well I hoped we'd find a positive but I'm not sure we have sadly we've got a big game potentially in terms of getting back on track because we've had this problem in recent years haven't we at Arsenal where we it kind of all falls apart within a couple of weeks of each other even just watching that Invincible documentary last night you remember that we went out to Manchester United in the FA Cup semi-final we lost to Chelsea in that Champions League quarter-final and there was this massive fear that when we had Liverpool come to the um to Highbury's, of course, it was, and they went a goal up, and everyone was just worrying about it. And even then, so many years, it's just been like everything falls apart, falls apart within a couple of weeks of each other in March. And there's genuine danger, Alan, isn't there? Because we've got a very difficult FA Cup trip to somewhere we rarely win in Old Trafford. We've got, you know, the league fixtures coming up. Everyone would say we are looking good for the top four, but it's not done because of all these teams so close to each other. Are you worried that it could all unravel very quickly? Um... I am. Uh, obviously, I think they're eight days apart, aren't they? The, the United game... Is on the 9th. Is on the 9th. Monaco and then the 17th. That's a Monday, and then it's the following Tuesday we yeah. play in Monaco. And, yeah, I mean, look, history has taught us that 
we probably go out of two cups quite quickly. I mean, you mentioned the Invincibles earlier. They, you mentioned the Chelsea game. We were in a terrible run of form, even though we weren't being beaten in the league, which eventually added up to an unbeaten league season. But that particular period, we lost to United in the FA Cup and we drew lots of games and panicked in lots of others because we thought the record was slipping and lost to Chelsea. And that was quite a poor period, even for that very, very good team. Um, One thing that I looked at today, I looked at um, some stats that suggest which is our best month in terms of goals and supremacy over teams and our our worst month as everyone knows is november but uh, february is actually very close to that very very close to that we perform uh, plus 0.51 goals per game in february and plus 0.48 in november but in September, we're plus 1.2. So that's, that's presumably the, that's, that's we like for March. Without knowing your stats, game. I presume we get better towards the end of the season. Usually. Yeah, we do. We, 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 we average in March, April, or May uh, one goal victories. Yeah, so happy so it actually go. goes up by about half a goal very soon. Well, but we, we've been used to sort of clawing back, you know, even you know, when Tottenham have been ahead of us in the league recently, we've been clawing that back and mm. making sure we do always get into that, into that top four. Raymond, big game Everton on Sunday, I think, just in terms of, you know, if we, you know, if we lose or draw, there'd just be so much more negativity around the club. It's just a big opportunity to get back winning ways and get it done. You, you think we're capable of that? I think it's a good fixture to have. Home yeah. to Everton, they've been struggling. Um, you know, we've got a good record against them at home. They're not really as hard to beat as they used to be, so I think I think it's a, it's a good game to have, and I think we can probably get a two 0 win, and, and you know, and Monaco will probably be forgotten quite quickly because that's the way it works. You win the next game, and you know, fans have got short memories. Yeah, it's important to, to get back to winning ways as soon as possible, Ricky. Everton have been disappointed this season, but I guess, I guess look, Lukaku and uh, you know they've always got they've got a dangerous striker as much as we ever have, and they'll probably think what a great time to go to Arsenal after yep. what happened last night. Yeah, and I'm sure it will all be about how we're the wounded animal and we're going to try and come at them, and they'll be saying that they've got a chance, and it'll all be that talk in the papers. I think, yeah, I agree. Everton are, are, are a decent team to play at the moment. Ultimately, I think the only if you're if you're striving for a positive, Josh. Um, there's a chance, you know, if we nick a draw at United in the Cup, we can bring them back home. I know we lost in the league already, but that's, there's a chance there yeah. if, if you're striving for a positive. Monaco, I, th- I, th- I think the only thing is everyone, everyone thinks we're out, so anything out there is almost a bonus. Um, we've got two big games in the league. We've got Everton and then QPR. I'll tell, I'll tell you one positive. Everton are playing tonight, so yeah. at least they'll be uh, yeah. one, day, one day off. Yeah, of course. On the, on the Sunday we should have spoiled you're right we've got, we've got another big fixture away at QPR on the, on the Wednesday night should we, before we do the next podcast and um, I don't know so let's do some quick predictions how many points are we going to have are we going to manage to get 6 out of 6 from I the Everton th- uh, yeah I think we'll get 6 but I still don't think it changes anything they, we've said about the bigger picture we found a positive we're going to get 6 <laughs> out of 6 Raymond you have similar mindset I between think, the two games yeah I think 6 out of 6 we'll win a couple of games and then we'll lose the United Cup tie and then we'll go round and round and round again and Ricky I think we'll get six out of six. Well, I definitely think we'll get, six, we'll get six out of six. And I think that I, I genuinely think we've, that we've got a chance at United. I look at United and, and there's no reason but why this, we can't get past them. There's no maybe reason. Like the first game. There's maybe no reason. Not, but for two years when they've been awful, we haven't done a thing against them. True. So, and they managed to beat us at, so, uh, at the Emirates. Uh, you must just that. say, Josh, that this isn't 
uh, repeat of last years that we've just left playing because you know you could just do this every year now, couldn't you? Maybe the, that's right. Maybe the, we just record the 20, one the set of podcast of the season. Been knocked just, out the last just, sixteen. Just, uh, just replace the team names every time. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Be a lot easier than Be coming a bit in here. With uh, editing from Leon, <laughs> sound engineer here. Well, look, if there was one positive, I can tell you as well. It's that I've managed to get three seats on that train the club have put on to Manchester for the FA Cup Ooh. tie, which is a nice thing. Really. We've seen the club made a bit of effort there to do something for the fans yeah I think they had to the pressure was on them really with the kickoff time and stuff and, and they did it to be fair um, another train would have been great but you yeah. know, they were always con- complaining about lack of rolling stock and, and stuff like that and you know the coaches are cheaply priced as well so they've done pretty well to be fair yeah £10 up for the coach was and, and £20 for regular standard class on the train or £30 for first class which I which, which I was uh, suckered into I've got to be honest but um, look <laughs> I, th- I think we've we, we, we're kind of all of disappointed as we conclude here there's no way any of us really think we're going through in the Champions League is there I mean I've you know a few of us are booked to go to Monaco and you know there were a few text messages flying around last night going are we going to still bother and of course we're still going to bother because you know in that betting terminology we've got our 12-14% chance or whatever it is I think that's what you've just said is probably about the realistic chance it's about 12-14% so we we carry it going Ricky I was going to say Spurs are losing Suppose that positive? positive? That, I don't know. I don't, don't know. <laughs> well, they, they might win a trophy by the time we next do a podcast, but there you go. So On listen, Thursday, what kind of football is that? Yeah. <laughs> um, so look, we'll be back next Thursday where hopefully we'll have taken those six points that as a, as a three guests here have been fairly confident we're going to do. And uh, we hope everyone is, is slowly getting back into a bit of positive thinking and uh, we'll get behind the team on Sunday and hope soon all those wounds are healed. We'll be back next week. Thanks a lot. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.